Now, I don't know if you've ever come into church on a Sunday morning not thinking the best. Uh, I know I've been there. There have been times when I've come in with the wrong attitude, and I think we need to make sure that uh, we don't let things creep into the building. Sometimes things creep into the building that shouldn't be here. Sometimes things creep into our services that shouldn't be here. And we need to be reminded that we need to develop a mindset of worship on Sunday morning. The second reason for this series is to help you to develop the right mindset the other six days of the week. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to deal with Sunday morning and what our Sunday morning mindset is. And then also uh, what our Monday through Saturday mindset is. Because I feel like sometimes we do okay on Sunday morning but then Monday hits, can anybody, can I get an amen to that? You know, Sunday's really, really good, and you feel good about being at church, and everybody walks away, well, most everybody walks away uh, feeling good about uh, having worshiped the Lord, but then, but then life hits, right? Uh, our minds are not in the right place, and sometimes um, the way we think about our jobs, the way that we think about our friends, the way that we think about our families, the way that we think about school, the way we think about recreational activities are not necessarily the mindset that we need to have. And so next week we're going to deal with our weekday mindset. Today is going to be all about our Sunday morning mindset. Now I've chosen Romans chapter 12 verse 1 as our theme verse for the next two weeks. It's going to be the basis of both of our our messages over the next couple of weeks because I feel like once we get this right, once we get Romans 12, 1 right, once we realize what the Apostle Paul is saying to the church at Rome, and the sooner we start to put this into practice, then we're going to start having the right mindset about everything that we do. We're going to be able to develop the right mindset. And here's what it says, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. We just sang that song just a moment ago, what he's done, what he's done. I praise God for what he's done. Because of what he's done, Paul is pleading with the Roman church, he's pleading with us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. And he says this, this is truly the way to worship him. And the, the NIV puts it this way, offer our bodies as living sacrifices. This is the idea that the Apostle Paul is talking about. Offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Dwight L. Moody said this one time, the only problem with a living sacrifice is that it keeps crawling off the altar. Isn't that the truth? Don't, don't we come sometimes on a Sunday morning and go, yeah, God, I'm all in. God, I'm going to do this. God, I promise I'm going to do better. This is what I'm going to do for you. And then Monday hits and we kind of crawl off the altar and forget the deal that maybe we made with God on this particular day. And when I look at this one verse, when, when, when we just really see this one verse and really this whole Romans 12 passage, I think it really boils down to one word and that is worship. This is truly the way we worship, right? And, and, and I feel like what has happened down through the years in the American church, worship has become less and less about Jesus and more and more about us. Worship should be 
our response to what God has already done for us. What he's done, what he's done. I praise God for what he's done. He's given us abundant life in the present. He's given us eternal life. He gave his son to die for us. Then we know that three days later, he was resurrected, and because of that, we have the promise of everlasting life, and for all who believe and are baptized into him, the Bible says he promises the gift of the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, and so our worship should be a response to God's love for what he's done for us. It's, it's about what I have to offer to God, right? And, and we're, we're his children, because of what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And if God does absolutely none of those other things, he's done enough. This should cause us to want to worship him. The problem in our culture is this. The problem is that we've been programmed to think that everything is about me. Everything is about my preferences. It's about what I get out of it. Not what I bring into worship, but what I get out of it. It reminds me, you guys remember, all right, I'm going to show kind of my rough side a little bit. Toby Keith, anybody remember? Okay, Toby Keith, not that he's a real bad dude, but he's a country dude, and not all of his songs are necessarily all that God-honoring. But there's one that he had that says, I want to talk about me, want to talk about I, want to talk about number one, oh me, oh my, what I think, what I like, what I know, what I want, what I see. I like talking about you, 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 usually, but occasionally, I want to talk about me. Well, I think what happens sometimes in our church is, is that we, we want to talk about me all the time. Right? We come to the church service like we pull up to the gas station or something, or, or the restaurant drive through and we say, okay, you know what, uh, here's my order, this is what I want, and, and, and fill her up for now, right? And then we pay our money, and we go home, and we come with the attitude of this is what I got out of, uh, out of it, rather than what God gets out of it. And if we're coming to church for what we get out of it, we're coming for the wrong reasons because there's a big difference. There's a big difference in how we approach it. And here's the deal. I don't want to just fill up my spiritual tank this week and then run on a third of a tank or even lower. Some of you are like me and you play that game where it gets down into the red before you decide you need to fill back up again. Who else does that? Is it just me? Okay. All right. We're just, we think, well, maybe if I wait a little while, the gas prices are going to drop. And, and, and so we play that game, and we even maybe come close to running out of gas before we fill up again. Well, we do the same thing in our spiritual life. We're like, well, you know what? I'll go to church when I feel like I need it, when I feel like I need filled back up. And we're running. I mean, we wonder why our attitudes are not right. We wonder why things aren't going the way that they ought to go sometimes in our lives. And we approach the worship service sometimes with the mindset of what does worship do for me? But instead we should be asking, what does my worship do for God? What am I going to do to honor God this morning? What did I give him? And it might require us to change our thoughts. It might require us to change our attitudes a little bit about what worship is. But it all begins with the, the right mindset. In fact, the English word worship Right? The English word worship means to attribute worth. We worship the Lord because he's worthy. He deserves it. We could actually pronounce this word worthship, right? Worthship, because we are attributing, hard for me to say, 
I got these new glasses and I can't talk. Um, worthship, right? I was reading an article the other day, uh, Christian Standard, by one of my perform, uh, former professors, uh, Dr., uh, Dr. Faust. And the article was called, Services Even God Doesn't Want to Attend. And in the article, Dr. Faust pointed out that in the book of Amos, this is what the Lord said to the Israelites. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Those are pretty strong words towards God's children who have come to worship him. Now, why was God so upset with the Israelites? Why would God ever say, your assemblies offend me? I don't like them. I despise them. They're a stench to me. Why would he say that? Well, there's a few reasons. They professed a faith and they didn't, they didn't live it. They mistreated their neighbors. They gave offerings and their hearts weren't right. And their music may have pleased them, but it didn't please him. And I agree with Dr. Faust that this prophecy from Amos, it's a wake-up call, I believe, for the church today to say, listen, there's a better way to do things. The worship service is not about us. Right? We need to make sure that our worship services please God rather than ourselves. And some of us might need a mind sh mindset shift in this. Instead of critiquing a worship service, we need to put our faith in action. We need to care for the needy. We need to speak up for the injustices that are going on. Let's sing about what we believe and believe what we sing. How many times have we ever just sung a song without really putting any thought into what we're singing? We're just singing it because that's what we put on the screen. Let's give our offerings with glad and sincere hearts, with grateful hearts. Francis Chan told the story one time of a woman coming up to him after a church service saying something like this. I want you to know I didn't enjoy our worship service at all today. And he said, that's okay. We weren't worshiping you. I got to admit, I've used, I've used that one before. People had someone come up to me one time and said, you know what, I didn't really like that special music that you did today. I said, that's okay, I wasn't singing it for you. You know, I, I stole that from Francis. That's not, God is our audience, guys. Well, what should our mindset be? What should our worship be like on Sunday morning? How should we approach each Lord's well, first of all, here's what I think. I think the first thing we need to do is this. I think we need to make sure uh, that our mindset is this. Worship is a verb. Worship is a verb. Worship is not a spectator sport. It's not like going to a ball game or going to a concert, going to a performance or something like that. It's not like we just sit on the sidelines and we watch others perform for our enjoyment. I like the way Rick Ashley put it. Rick Ashley said it's called a worship service, not a serve us. It's not about what others can do for you in worship. And then we give our money and then we go home and then everything's good. The musicians are not here to entertain us. I'm not up here, thankfully, to entertain you. I'm not up here to just feed you spiritual nourishment for a week and then you're all good the next week no let me ask you a question if you only eat food one day a week how do you think that's going to do for you 
How's, how's that going to go? If you only eat one day a week, and I don't care what it is, you go to St. Elmo's, you can have the best steak, you can have some of that shrimp cocktail that I've heard about but never had because I can't afford to go there, and, 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 and a salad, and a baked potato, or rolls, or bread, or whatever they do there, I don't know, whatever those fancy places do, I don't really know, but you can have the most incredible meal, but if you only eat one of those a week, how's the rest of your week going to go? We do the same thing with church. Right? We come in and we're like, this is our spiritual nourishment for the week. And if that's all you're doing, you're not going to have a real good week, I can promise you. Spencer could turn into Chris Tomlin. Right? The worship team could become Casting Crowns. I could become Bob Russell or Craig Groeschel. But if that's all you're getting one time a week, it's not enough. You're going to starve. You're spiritually going to starve. And I promise you, if Monday through Saturday, and we'll get into this a little bit more next week, if Monday through Saturday you are in the Word and you're praying and you're fellowshipping with other believers, then when you approach Sunday morning, you're going to have a different mindset about what Sunday morning's like. The Apostle Paul reminds us that worship is a verb. It's an action verb where everyone participates and uses their gifts. Listen to what he says uh, to the church at Corinth in, in, in uh, chapter 14, verse 26. He says, well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues and another will interpret what is said but everything that is done must strengthen all of you. And as we read this, do you notice where everybody in the service or everybody in the church, they're active participants. Everyone came prepared to share, whether it was a song, whether it was a word of instruction, some type of teaching, whether it was a special revelation that God had given to them. Uh, the uh, some would speak in tongues, some would interpret. But the bottom line is this. There were no spectators at a worship gathering in the first century church. They were all expected to participate, using their gifts for the glory of God, strengthening God's children. When Jesus went to worship at the synagogue, notice how many times he was given the opportunity to speak. Right? He's 12 years old. He goes into the temple. All right, here's a 12-year-old kid. Let's let him talk. Yeah. He was given testimonies. They were sharing within the church. When, it, when our Christian worship was, was developed, it was originally based on all of the things that they did in the temple, or a lot of the things that they did in the temple. And so the way they viewed it, worship was basically a living drama in which we're all participants. None of us are off the hook. We don't just come and sit and watch. We participate. Now, that doesn't mean everybody has to give up, get up and, and, and give, a, you know, give a testimony. We can do some of that. That doesn't mean everybody has to do that. It doesn't mean that everybody is participating up here on the, on the platform in some way or teaching or preaching. What it does mean is we are expected to actively worship him, participate in worship. That could include raising holy hands to heaven. That could include clapping. It definitely includes singing. Whatever we need to do to demonstrate our love, how much we appreciate him, how much we love him, how thankful we are for what he's done for us. Second, our mindset should be that worship is praise. According to scripture, there's several ways that we can actively demonstrate our love and, and, and uh, honor and show God our appreciation. 
One of the ways we do this is through our praise. Hebrews 13, 15, Therefore let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Before Jesus' death and burial uh, and and his resurrection, the primary act of worship for a God-fearing person was to offer an animal sacrifice, right? As an atonement for our sins, they'd offer an animal sacrifice. Since Jesus became the sacrificial lamb, he was the perfect offering that God provided to take away the sins of the world. And now, the author of Hebrews reminds us that one of our primary responses in worship is offering a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving to God. And when I read that, that means that, or what I think that means, what that says to me sometimes is, you know what, there's times when I don't really feel like it. I might not really like that song. I might not really like that style. I might not really like the person sitting next to me all that much. You you worship anyway. You set that aside and you worship anyway. There are 41 psalms in the Old Testament that command us to sing to the Lord. I think think music has this ability to transcend... um, I don't know, all the stuff that's going on to put us in a connection with the living God like like some other things can't. It's a way of just pouring out your heart and your soul. It's a way of expressing our love and thanks to God, again, in a, in a way that just words can't express. And it doesn't matter if you're any good or not. It doesn't matter. You know, there, there's some Sundays I, I, want, I want Kendall to come up and sing on a hill Far away. Actually, I'd rather him sing on a hill far away, actually, is what I'd kind of, you know, it it doesn't really matter. Okay, that's a dumb joke. But listen, um, I'm sorry, kind of. Doesn't matter what you sound like. God's the audience. Ephesians 5, 19, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praising God through music, that is part of our offering to God. I mean, I know how sometimes when I'm up here leading worship or part of the worship team or sometimes I go out and do concerts and I ask people to sing along and and, and they just sit there with their arms crossed like, you can't make me sing. And I I know what's going through my mind and I'm not like God. I don't have the mind of God, but I cannot help but think that God looks at that and goes, really? Praise God is so important. It could include sharing a testimony. Again, it doesn't have to be up here, but out in the hallway, just tell. As, as your fellowship with people out in the hallway or even in here uh, before the service, just talk about how good God has been to you. And, and again, a lot of times we don't do this, unfortunately, because we're afraid of what other people are, are going to think of us. We don't raise our hands. We don't clap. We don't share our testimonies because we're afraid of what people are going to think about us. They're not our audience. God is. And our mindset should be that we're here to worship him. We're here to praise him. And our mindset should be that worship is giving. See, that's part of It's not just a financial thing. Giving is not just a financial thing. It includes that. It's an act of worship. Hebrews 13, 16 says, don't forget to do good and, and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. We give back to the Lord out of thanksgiving for what God has done for us. And giving is a great way financially to 
to, to, get, to just tangibly uh, give to God. But that's not the only way to tangibly give to God. To worship Him enthusiastically. You know? That's part of it as well. I also, in an act of faith, give my tithes and, I, and, and offerings and I share with those who are in need. But that's, that's, that's just a part of it. That's not all of it. When we say we need to worship, we need to give. And it's important to the church that we give financially. But it's not limited to that. We give our talents. God has, God has blessed every single one of us with a spiritual gift. That's in the word of God. He's given every one of us a spiritual gift. And part of the way that we give back to him is to use that gift for his service. To build up the community of faith. And the Bible says to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That, that's, that's part of it. Right? All of our being, all of our thoughts, our bodies, our actions, our emotions. And that's what, that's what Romans 12, 1 is saying. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Everything that he's given to you. Give it back to him. Everything. Every part of it. And then the fourth thing is this. Our mindset should be to encourage one another. Worship is primarily about what we offer to God. But we also come together to encourage one another. Hebrews 10, 25 says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. This is even more important than ever because each day that we live, we're getting closer and closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, encourage one another, especially since we're this close. God loves us. His children. He wants us to love one another. He wants us to encourage one another to help each other grow spiritually. You know, I, I don't know how many of you have been watching. Are there any ladies out there that have become basketball widows this these past couple of months? You know, where us guys are just watching games all day long, and you're sitting over there going, right? There's some, okay. Are some of you ladies watching too? Okay, all right, that's all right. But 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 but. I was watching the game last night, Kansas State, FAU, and then they didn't show this during the game, but I saw it this morning where the, the head coach, Coach Tang from Kansas State, who had just lost a very, very heartbreaking close game, goes into the locker room of the opposing team that just beat them and congratulated them and told them what a great job they did, wished them luck in the future, told them how tough they were, encouraged them to take it all the way. Now, that just doesn't happen. That doesn't happen very often. That's the kind of encouragement that we need in the church, right? Even when things aren't necessarily going our way, even when maybe, maybe we've done something wrong or we've done something stupid, we need to come alongside one another and encourage one another. Say, listen, keep going. Don't give up. You might have lost this one, but take it the rest of the way home. Jesus said, whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done for me. And I think the more we encourage one another, the more we lift one another up, the more fulfilled we're going to be, the more Jesus is going to be honored, the more lives are going to change because 
That is so counterculture today, right? I was driving through town the other day, and, and I saw a, a sticker on the back of a window. It was a good one this time. And, and it, it, it said, um, I hope that something good happens to you today. That's all it said. I just had to smile. I don't know if they were a believer or not, but it, I smiled. I'm like, that's awesome. That is awesome. People sometimes wonder why they come to church, you know, because some people have been hurt in church. They say, I don't want to go back. I don't want to risk that. I want to open myself up to that. And people, people don't come. And, and then people say, well, you know what? I can worship God just as good at home as I can at church. And sure, you, you, can, you can worship God at home. In fact, it's a whole lot easier now than it's ever been with our online worship. And, and that's a great option for a lot of people. But if we truly believe to worship, believe that we need to worship God in a way that pleases Him the most, if we are physically able, I think there's something to be said about coming together with the body of Christ. That is what God wants of us, right? And I want to give you a visual example maybe to drive it home a little bit. When we come to worship, the Spirit of the Lord is like a burning coal. And, and it's joined with several other burning coals. And the more burning coals there are, um, the hotter it is, the brighter it is, right? The same is true, like, it, think, think about these coals. Think about a candle, right? When you have a candle, you light one. It, it, can, it can shine bright in a dark room, right? Perhaps enough to read by. But what happens when you get a whole lot of candles together? They shine very brightly in, in darkness. The same is true for us. When we come together, our coals burn hotter, our coals burn brighter. The fire of the Holy Spirit comes together in one place and it burns brightly. And it pleases God when His people come together in the right frame of mind, the right mindset to put ourselves on the back burner and let God burn in us. His power, His presence, I believe, becomes more tangible when we are unified and we're burning brightly in this place and we go out of this place into the world. I'll start to wrap up with this. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 2, verses 5 to 11. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though He was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, there's a lot of things that can happen throughout the week, right? Life, life happens. Sickness, bills, quarrels bad news in our world, bad news in our country, 
bad decisions that we've made. Life just happens sometimes. And sometimes we hit the door of the church and we bring a lot of that in with us and let that kind of hinder the way that we worship. I encourage you to consider flipping the switch because here's the deal. The Apostle Paul told us we can choose what we think about, right? Whatsoever things are good and pure and holy and just, excellent, praiseworthy, think about these things. So we can choose what we think about. We can't always choose what pops into our brain, but we can choose what we dwell on. it. And I'm not saying be fake. I'm not saying put on an act. But what I'm saying is this. You need to get yourself in the right mindset before you walk in here on a Sunday morning. Most of you probably don't realize that I'm, I'm pretty much a movie star now. Uh, I don't know if you realize that or not, but I had the privilege of being an extra in the movie that they're filming here in Columbus at Zaharico's. Did you guys all see that in the newspaper, how they were doing that? So, so I'm like, all right, what's this movie about, right? So I was just really curious. And then at the top, I went to the website, and at the top of the page, it said, be an extra. I'm like, okay. Uh, and, and so I signed up, not thinking that they would pick me to do it, but they did. And, and so the, the movie is set in 1940s World War II era uh, the, the, the Netherlands, right? And uh, when I got there, they said, uh, you're going to be a Nazi soldier. <clears throat> now, I was, a, I was a little uncomfortable with that. I'm not going to lie. I was a little uncomfortable with the, you know, SS on the collar and, and all that kind of stuff. But I realized, you know, I'm just playing a part. I'm trying to help tell a story. Uh, and this is a story that needs to be told. I think it's going to be a really, really cool movie. But I met one guy there. Uh, his name was Nick. He was super cool. He was one of the main characters, uh, Klaus Barbie, the Butcher of Lyon. If you know your history, this is who this guy is portraying. And uh, we hit it off, man. We're sitting in makeup, and we're, we're I mean, I'm not putting makeup on, but, but we're like, um, they, didn't, they didn't show my face in the movie. It's a little disappointing. Uh, but I think maybe the side of my head's in it somewhere. Uh, but uh, anyway, we're, we're talking there in the makeup setting, and he's just a super cool dude. We're talking about everything under the sun. Uh, we're talking about movies he's been in, different projects he's been in, and things he's got coming up, and it was really, really cool. Uh, we talked about comedy. We laughed a lot. He's a super cool dude. However, when he stepped on the set of the movie, he flipped a switch, boom, and he became Klaus Barbie, and I was a little afraid. I'm not going to lie. Throw, throw that picture up there. He was so intense. Um, that's him there, as you can see. And he's getting direction from uh, Robert Monyo, the producer there. And, and this dude was intense. The scene I was in with him. Uh, so if you watch the movie, he's walking down the hall with a dog. And I walk out of a room and go like that and go like that. And that's my, that's it. I nailed it, though. It took me five takes, but I got it. Uh, and, and so... Um, he was able to flip this switch, though, to get his mind. He transformed himself from just this average dude to, like, Klaus Barbie in, like, the drop of a hat. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not saying we're fake. we be fake. I'm not saying we come in and we're, we're just unauthentic. What I'm saying is you can choose what you focus on. 
You can choose what your mindset is. And we need to develop the mindset that Sunday morning is not about us. It's about Jesus. And anything that we get out of it, that's just a natural byproduct. That's just icing on the cake. When we start making Sunday mornings all about us, I believe we're in danger of becoming like the Israelites in the book of Amos, of whom the Lord said, your assemblies are a stench to me. I don't ever want to be guilty of being a stench to the Lord. We're going to offer a song of decision. There might be some of you that maybe you came in here today with the wrong mindset. I hope that God's word has penetrated your heart, not anything that has come from me, but that God, through his Holy Spirit, has convicted you where you need to be convicted. If not, maybe you don't need it. Maybe you're just sitting there going, yeah, man, I'm right on. That's great, and that's awesome. But maybe some of you need a little bit of a change of mind pray that you would repent of, of maybe a wrongful attitude. Um, maybe some of you are here today, you've never surrendered your life to Christ. You've never repented of your sins and been baptized into him. And so some of these things that we're saying you need to have the mindset for when it comes to worship, it's kind of new to you because you've not made, you've not made that decision. We want to invite you to Consider that today, to make the decision to confess Christ and repent of your sins and be baptized into him. Maybe you're here today and, and you want to be a part of a church that is doing their best to encourage you. As we've talked about, that's one of our ways to worship him, is to encourage one another. Our worship team's going to lead us in a, in a song. I'm going to invite you to stand, and if you have a need, we encourage you to come. Let's, let's bow together.